So did this kind of blow your mind then? I mean, the movie kind of unveils a bunch of very popular, common Mandela effect things, which like Looney Tunes, some people believe it was spelled with two O's, but it's actually U-N-E. Yeah, I had not heard of those things. And I was like, wait a second. I started getting real pissed. Like, no, I really <laughs> thought it was Berenstain Bears, not Berenstain Bears. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Men Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. So we had a different plan for this week originally, and um, it's happened to me before, but I think this is a first for Nina. We had originally pitched, we had originally picked something else and we just couldn't get through it. (laughs) So we decided to pick a movie to review instead. So real quick, before we get into that, we had originally talked about Miss America, which is on Hulu. It is a limited series. It was actually Nina's idea and neither of us really could get past the first couple of episodes and I want to know if you're listening and you watched that show and you think we're crazy and it was like amazing please tell us and then we'll try to watch it again but I think it's definitely just like when there's pressure to watch something it makes you want to watch it less you know mm-hmm. I was really I I like had really high hopes for it I thought it was going to be really really good but it just didn't capture me quickly enough to like keep me motivated to finish it in time to record this podcast Maybe if I took it a little bit, like, you know, at my own leisure, sort of, then I would get through it. Um, The cast is really, really great for it, so I'm sure it is a good show. I just need more time to get into it, I guess. I think so, too. I think we all have that problem sometimes, especially, I mean, it's not just, you know, television or movies. It's also, you know, when you were in school, when you had to, I love to read for leisure, at least I, I used to. And then when you feel like you have to read something, it becomes less fun. You know, when it, when you have to do something, you want to do it less. But if you're just like, oh, I'm just doing this because I want to, <laughs> it's an entirely different feeling. But I agree. I mean, the show has a fantastic cast. It's all about, you know, the Equal Rights Amendment. It's, you know, in a decade that I love, which is the early 70s. And uh, I, I agree. It didn't capture me early enough. And I feel like some shows go through that where the first couple episodes are kind of stale or you know just introducing you to people and concepts and storylines so it doesn't really go anywhere yet so yeah maybe we'll have to give that one another shot but we had to we were scrambling for something else to review and so I was like well we're already on a Hulu trip for this week let's find something else on Hulu and there's a ton of movies right now actually there's a ton of new releases that you know, I was, you know, kind of playing around with, and we decided on this one. We are going to review 2019's The Mandela Effect. So I'm sure you might not have heard of this movie because it was extremely limited release when it came out in October of last year. It's, um, I, I don't even know where it was released. I mean, Nina, do you remember hearing about this? 
I don't remember hearing about it. I think I must have just seen it because I'd heard it was familiar to me when I saw it on Hulu. I don't know if I had just seen like the preview for it on Hulu, like advertisements or whatever, but I don't remember seeing this like coming to theaters or anything. Um, in my research, it said that the majority of its release just went straight to video on demand. That is correct. It had a premiere at the Other Worlds Film Festival, which is fitting for the kind of topic, <laughs> on October 23rd of 2019, and it was released in the U.S. on December 6th of 2019 by Gravitas Ventures. And this is something I mentioned to Nina before we got started. I am so detail-oriented when it comes to, um, you know, title cards and, um you know, these little mini previews that we see of like the production companies and things like that before a film. And I was like, I don't recognize any of this. What is this? And I could kind of tell that this seemed to be somewhat low budget. And that turned me off right away. <laughs> it made me kind of mad. I'm like, oh man, what is this movie? Because, you know, a low budget thriller can be awful. I mean, I've seen a ton of low budget horror movies and those are no good either. Um, so I was a little skeptical at first, you know, the first couple minutes and it starts off with this like voiceover too, which was a little off putting, but that does carry through there throughout the rest of the film. Just looking at the Wikipedia page for this movie, I don't see anything about a budget. So I honestly don't know what the budget was distributed by Gravitas Ventures, uh, Periscope Entertainment for the production company. Neither is familiar to me by name but it is a United States film. For some reason, I thought there was a possibility that it could be like Canadian. It is not. And it was directed by David Guy Levy. And just by the name, I was like, who? Again, when, I, when you look through the cast and the names in this cast, there's no like big names. Like there's no like huge Hollywood names. And that threw me off too. I'm like, I don't recognize any name in this show, but um, these actors are actually all from different things, you know, smaller parts here and there, um, but they're all from something else. And I'm, in, I'm excited to talk about that because there's a few that surprised me. Um, but David Guy Levy, he also, he was a uh, writer and producer on, wrote, sorry, he wrote and directed this film. He also was behind Would You Rather in 2012, which I have seen. It is, um, I believe it's on Netflix. That movie is, Nina would not like it. I'll just say it's, <laughs> not, it's not a fun movie. It's kind of scary. Um, Terry in 2011, which had uh, John C. Riley. It looks kind of like an indie film. Um, Banking on Bitcoin, which was a documentary he produced that in 2016 and um yeah so david wrote and directed it he also had a co-writer stefan schlachtenhofen he also helped with would you rather a couple other small projects nothing that um i could recognize quick synopsis of this film a man becomes obsessed with facts and events that have been collectively misremembered by thousands of people believing the phenomenon to be the symptom of something larger his obsession eventually leads him to question reality itself now synopsis sounds pretty pretty awesome right sounds like something really cool and, and interesting but um if you're unfamiliar with what the mandela effect is um a quick google search will send you into a rabbit hole uh, different theories and these different connections. We will talk a lot about that in the second half of our podcast. Um, we'll talk about the plot first, but um, 
I don't know about you, Nina, but watching this, it made me think of, you know, you ever see those like fake trailers for films that are clearly not real? They're just, you know, like sketches almost, but in the form of like a movie trailer. That's what this whole movie reminded me of because the Mandela effect is, it seems like folklore, like urban legend, like it, but like internet urban legend, you know? So it seemed like a meme that got turned into a movie. Yes, it's like a huge conspiracy theory um, that is pretty much based off of like internet knowledge, like internet knowledge. I don't know what you want to say, like just people using the internet to kind of like, sp- like possibly spread information, misinformation. Um, we'll kind of go into that in the second half, but um, it's just kind of crazy that <laughs> it was like, literally they took a like conspiracy theory and turned it into a movie. <laughs> Seriously, and the main character he mentions at one point, he's like, well, Go on Reddit. And I just, that just made me laugh. Like, oh my God. Like, it really is like, you know, the subreddits, you know, if you're familiar with, with that website, some of the crazy stuff you can find on there. It's, it's like one of those threads became a film, is, is how this makes me feel. Um, let's get into the cast. It is relatively small. We have a lot of like really small side characters, but I'm just going to get into our main cast here. So Charlie Hoffheimer plays Brendan. He is a video game designer slash developer. He knows code. Um, he is the protagonist of the film. He's also a mourning father. Um, I did not know who he was just recognizing his name or his face even, but he's actually in quite a bit. He was in an episode of Man in the High Castle. I thought was interesting. He was in Mad Men and he was also in Would You Rather, which I had no idea. I, I'd only seen that movie one time and it's been years, but he had a role in that as well. He was in a few episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, the Nickelodeon series back in the 90s. And he also was in Lassie. So he's been acting for a long time. That's wild because I did not recognize him from anything. Me either. Some of that stuff, I was like, oh, interesting. Like, I mean, I watched Are You Afraid of the Dark, but I wouldn't recognize anybody from that show now. I mean, with how old it is. And they were kids in the show, so no way I would recognize anyone from that show today. Um, Alexa Palladino as Claire. She is Brendan's wife. She is also a morning mother. We'll get to the morning part in a minute. Um, she has been in a ton of stuff. She was in The Irishman. She was in, which I've, I've never heard of this, but I thought it was interesting, Unsolved, The Murders of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. She's in that. She's in Boardwalk Empire, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, and a bunch of other smaller stuff that I wasn't familiar with. Um, Robin Lord Taylor plays Matt. He is Claire's brother and I guess also Brandon's friend. They spent a lot of time together. He's in a ton of stuff. He was the only actor that I recognized right away. He was in Gotham. He played Penguin. He was in the movie Accepted. He was in, I believe, season one of You. He was also in, you guessed it, Would You Rather as well. So there's a ton of people who are in that movie who are a part of this one. Um, Clark Peters plays Dr. Fuchs. He's kind of like a disgraced scientist. He has this whole um, simulation theory that uh, Brendan really, really um, latches on to about midway through the film. Uh, He was in The Wire, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. He was in John Wick. Again, I didn't recognize him at all, but he just reminded me of Morgan Freeman, like if Morgan Freeman had a stunt double. I mean, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) he looked like him. He sounded like him. I'm like, this guy probably like gets mistaken for him sometimes. I bet. (laughs) 
Um, and then finally, Madeline McGraw plays Sam, the daughter of Brendan and Claire. And um, her story is crazy because in parts of the film, she has, she's dead and others, she is alive. Um, we'll get into that in, in a moment. She was in actually a ton of stuff. Um, she was in American Sniper, Bones, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and she was the voice of Bonnie in Toy Story 4. So when I saw her, I'm like, oh, I bet she's not in anything, which sounds awful, like that I just assumed this child actor had no other previous uh, films or shows, but she actually had, she had quite a bit. So good for you, Natalie. Child actors literally just blow my mind. Like, I don't understand how, I can't even remember things at my age to like <laughs> recite and like these little kids can, I don't know, it's crazy. Child actors just live a completely different life than, than regular kids. They never really get to have that childhood. They kind of are forced into the work field as an actor. And same, I mean, I was really good at memorizing songs for, for choir when I was a kid, but at the same, that was also something that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, child actors, like you have to just be really passionate about what you do and you have to be able to memorize. So it's, it's it can't be easy. Well, and it's weird because I, like, I can't imagine that somebody that's that young really knows, like, I want to be an actor, like. True. I feel like the first time they probably get involved in acting, like, they don't really want to necessarily be there. Like, imagine, like, the Olsen twins that were literally babies. And they've completely removed themselves from the spotlight because they didn't want to do it anymore. Right. Isn't it just, it's just a wild concept, like child actors. I'm always just like, how are they memorizing these lines? Like, it's just crazy. I know it is impressive. Let's get into the plot of the Mandela effect. So this film runs 80 minutes. It's very, very short. And again, we'll talk about my issue with how short the film is once we get through the plot. So it begins with a beach scene of Brendan, Claire and Sam. They're at the beach spending time together as a family. And Sam uh, wants to go look for shells. And when she goes out, she gets swept up into the waves and drowns and passes away. Um, So the beginning is Brendan and Claire, they're grieving their young daughter. um, And as they're going through some of her stuff, Claire starts like packing up her room and and Brendan is, is very emotional about that. He doesn't think they're ready. It hasn't been long enough. But while he's helping her kind of look through some stuff, he found some of the books he used to read her, one of them being the Berenstein Bears. And he cannot get over the fact that when he looks at the title of the book, it is S-T-A-I-N, but he always remembered it as S-T-E-I-N. And that starts to just drive him wild. He just starts to kind of spiral from there. That is what kind of sets it off. And I find this so funny about the film. It's it's trying so hard to be dramatic and sci-fi and cool. And it's this like intense scene as he's like typing into his computer, Berenstain Bears. <laughs> I don't know. That just made me laugh. Like again, like a meme coming to life. Yeah, um, it is pretty. I, when you talk about it being low budget, like that didn't really occur to me. It's also, I just don't really like notice those kinds of things in movies as I'm not that, I don't know, like I really can't tell the difference a lot of the times between a low budget movie or a movie that's like trying to just be simple, like simple or like simplified, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, like little scenes like that, you're like, okay, yeah, like. Yeah, it's just a guy typing on his computer. Yeah. Bears. 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 
And that's (laughs) what gets him into the, you know, the spiral of learning about the Mandela effect, which it is called that it it is a true conspiracy theory. This movie did not make it up. It is a, it is a real thing where thousands of people misremember, they have false memories of something then. And it's called the Mandela effect because there's a, a significant amount of people in the world that believe Nelson Mandela died in the eighties when he was still in prison, which as we know is not true. But again, thousands of people have this exact same memory of remember hearing about it or seeing the funeral on, on television or whatever. And that's what sparks this, this conspiracy theory that there are many different things in our life, in our existence that are just slightly different than how we remember them. And it's, it's such a vivid memory that it, we feel so strongly that this is how it was. I, there's no way it was, you know, with Berenstein Bears, for example, uh, Brendan starts talking to Matt, Claire's brother, about it. And he goes, um, you remember that, that the children's book, Berenstein Bears, right? S-T-E-I-N. And he says, yeah, they were Jewish, which I thought was kind of just a little bit of comedic relief for that line. Like, yeah, I remember that, you know, of course. And he brings up the actual book that was his daughter's and um, shows him the truth that it's actually A-I-N. And that's when he tries to get Matt on board with this, with this theory that um, all these things that we are misremembering that are just slightly off is proof of a parallel universe, a, a universe that is so close to our own that there are these little glitches, you know, glitch in the matrix as you hear. And this kind of sets him off on a journey to find the truth. What is the truth? What it, What is reality? What is not? And it also gets him to start thinking, maybe my daughter's not dead. Now in real life, we would just say, Brendan has snapped because he is clearly depressed with the loss of his daughter. But the movie, it, it, it makes you think that a little bit, like maybe he is a little crazy. He talks to his wife and he's like, you remember you said this doesn't feel real, right? maybe it's not real. Maybe that's why we feel it's not real. And again, from a psychological standpoint, you could just argue, you know, when you say this doesn't feel real, it's generally directed at something that's like, this is so awful. I can't believe it's real, but you know, it really is, you know, it's not, you know, a simulation or a parallel universe, you know, it's really happening. So a little bit, they, they a little bit allude to, maybe this guy's just crazy. Maybe he's just losing his mind. Maybe, you know, he's just, trying to, you know, distract himself with something to deal with the death of his daughter, which is what his wife says. She kind of says that his behavior is unhealthy, that he, you know, isn't uh, trying to heal. Maybe he should talk to someone. And that is, again, when he continues to just go on this, this um, rabbit hole deep into the, to the internet. And he finds this, um, like, physician, what would you call him? A professor, he's a professor and he is also a scientist by the name of Roland Fuchs. So um, when Googling, he finds um, this, this video that is supposedly talking about this theory that he came up with, which is the simulation theory that our existence is basically a sim game on a computer. And um, every time that Brendan tries to get this video, it keeps saying it's corrupted. He can't watch it. He can't find it. This is something that really bothered me about this film because he just ends up going to um, the university that um, Dr. Fuchs teaches at. 
it just happens to be in his town. Like I'm confused. They never really explain like where they live or I, I mean, I guess California and maybe this professor also, he just happens to teach in California. Like what are the odds? Right. But he goes to, to the school to ask him about it. And Dr. Fuchs is a little dismissive, you know, just kind of, well, and I think even Brendan, he sends him a video. Like he emails him a video. He finds his email online and is like, Hey, here's my theory. I think that based on what I've seen from your videos, from your, you know, your, uh, your talks that we're on the same page. We believe the same thing. And at first Dr. Fuchs is, he dismisses him, but then Brendan goes to his house and the two start talking about it. And that's when Dr. Fuchs kind of brings up his theory that he, he says he wasted his life on it. You know, he tried to prove different things that, you know, he was just basically kind of became a joke in the industry. You know, nobody really was behind him. So um, Dr. Fuchs explains his own research and it indicates that the universe, like I said, is a form of a computer simulation. And parts of this kind of went over my head. I don't know about you, Nina, but it started getting really like the dialogue started to become a lot of the film has voiceover from, from Brendan and a bunch of different like footage of everything, you know, birds, trees, people are just kind of showing different scenes of, of human existence, I guess. And he talks about how one of the things that is repeated throughout the film is he talks about how, you know, if a tree falls in a forest, doesn't make a sound which is actually an, an interesting phenomenon that people talk about. Well, no, it doesn't because nobody is actually around to hear the sound. So kind of comparing that to this theory and comparing it to gaming theory and code, you know, when you create a game, there are certain parts of the game that aren't always loaded. They're gone until you need them. So maybe that is proof of the simulation. I was a little confused by this part. Like, what are your thoughts, Nina? What do you think? I was pretty confused by it too. I don't think that it was, I don't think that they were like accurately conveying like the, what they were trying to like explain basically. Like, I think that they were just like doing a bad job of explaining their theory. Um, what's all of these like random pictures. And like, I, get, I think it was like, I think it was there to try to make you think like, oh, there might be all of these things in our universe that we don't understand and, and whatnot. But it was confusing. Um, if I hadn't had knowledge of a bunch of different other, like, simulation reality movies, kind of, like, I'm sure that you've seen Inception. Like, Inception does a really good job of explaining, like, how there's alternate realities and whatnot. Um, so if I didn't have that prior knowledge, I think I would have been pretty lost on it. But that's kind of the basis of what I used to sort of follow what was going on in this movie. I agree. I feel like if you didn't already know what the Mandela effect was before watching this movie, it would really, really confuse you. Um, yeah. But it, I didn't know actually what it was. Um, and so my husband really? and I like, pa no, I didn't. And so my husband okay. and I just paused the movie and like started Googling really quick. I was like, here, I got to like research this really fast. So I know what I'm looking at. But so, I think I had heard about it before, but I just didn't know that was what it was called. So did this kind of blow your mind then? I mean, the movie kind of unveils a bunch of very popular common Mandela effect things, which like Looney Tunes, some people believe it was spelled with two O's, but it's actually U-N-E. Yeah, I had not heard of those things. And I was like, wait a second. I started getting real pissed. Like, no, I really <laughs> thought it was Berenstain Bears, not Berenstain Bears. 
I was like, what? So <laughs> I'm going to talk about that a little bit later too. But yeah, I was pretty, sh- I was shook. I mean, it, it, it really does. Yeah. It really, when you, when you sit down and think about it, I mean, it would make anybody question reality, right? I mean, there's tons of these different, these different things like Curious George. And that's how he connects. That's how Brendan connects us all to his daughter is Curious George. Everyone has these memories of Curious George having a tail, but he never did. And that is the doll that she had with her the day on the beach when she disappeared. And the doll had a tail. And that's one thing I would say that this film does really, really well is it does have these little Easter eggs throughout the entire film of these different Mandela effect things where sometimes it shows it one way, sometimes it shows it another way. I found that really clever and smart as far as just like from a filmmaking standpoint, but the writing about all of this parallel universe and you know, glitch in the matrix type of thing, all these different, you know, basically saying that all of these glitches of our memory, it's not false memories, it's system bugs as the simulation is updated, you know, kind of like when you update your iPhone and some things don't work how they normally do, basically saying that that is the universe. Um, and I, I would say it was a little lazily written, um, it kind of just very quickly, you know, it has all these different scenes of um, Brendan and Dr. Fuchs kind of talking about this theory and um, kind of introducing the idea of possibly like overriding it with logic loops, which again, all of this really went over my head. It, was, it wasn't it was very well explained. And I really wish that, I mean, again, this movie's 80 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes. That is the length of a children's animated film. With a, with a topic like this that is honestly actually pretty expansive just outside of the theory itself, just about parallel universes, alternate universes, there's so, much, there's so many different ways they could have gone with this that they just didn't. They just kind of like very lazily threw together this theory and this storyline involving this doctor. I wish they had gone more into that, um, but unfortunately they don't. And so then they both theorize that such a simulation uh, – could be interrupted by injecting a computer program that overloads its processing capacity through a series of logic loops. Um, He takes him to his old college campus to show him the first quantum computer, which he believes has the power to initiate these said logic loops capable of disrupting the simulation. Um, When Brennan asks how no one has discovered that reality in a simulation before, Dr. Fuchs implies that these ideas are dangerous and the simulation manipulates reality to discredit anyone who posits these ideas. So basically saying anyone who tries to come forward, the simulation manipulates itself so that it's not true anymore. Basically like the simulation is smart enough to discredit people trying to prove its existence. Meaning that this computer is sentient, um, which was its whole other thing, this whole other story that it, again, does not go deep enough into. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about that. Like, yeah, (laughs) I just left this movie with a lot of questions, but go on. Um, so this is when Brendan really starts to kind of lose, lose his marbles a little bit. His, his life with his wife is getting complicated. Like she's starting to get really frustrated with him. He's spending a lot of late nights out and then he just starts seeing his daughter randomly. Like he starts seeing her in his house and he kind of freaks out for a minute. He asks his wife, I, you know, did you see her? I swear I saw her. And she says, no, I, 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 I have not seen him, but maybe you, maybe you need to talk to somebody something's happening to you. And then one day he wakes up. It's actually the middle of the night. Their door opens and their daughter comes into bed with them. She had a nightmare. And he's kind of just looking around like, is this real? Is this, is she really here? Did this really happen? He wakes up the next morning and the bed is empty and he thinks, oh, maybe it was just a dream. 
But then he goes out into the kitchen, which again, here's another little Easter egg. His daughter is watching Looney Tunes and it's spelled O-O-N instead of U-N-E. And she's there eating breakfast. And his wife is just like, oh yeah, she's here. Yeah, we made breakfast together. And she thinks he starts kind of freaking out a little bit. Like, do you see her? Is she okay? What's going on? And she thinks, oh, you must have had a nightmare, which of course, as anybody knows, when you have a really a nightmare that feels really real when, you know, somebody you love dies, you, you're like, are you okay? Like, I don't know about you, Nina. I always call family when I have dreams that they die. Like, are you all right? Yeah. And so, yeah. And so she kind of tries to calm him down. Like, no, it's, it's fine. Everything's fine. And then his daughter is just, she's back. She's back. And he starts calling friends and family just kind of like nonchalantly, like, hey, what's going on? How are you? How long has it been? Trying to kind of put the pieces together and see like what, what's going on? And he, then he calls Dr. Fuchs and he says, you need to call me back. The simulation, it brought my daughter back. Like he's, we, we need to talk about this. And, um, he, he never gets a call back and he ends up going back to Dr. Fuchs's home and he finds this older woman there. And she tells him that Dr. Fuchs took his own life two months ago, but Brendan just talked to him. So he's confused. And he, um, realizes that, this is actually the simulation altering reality to hide its existence. It basically erased Dr. Fuchs so that it could cover up this glitch, I guess. Um, so Brendan decides to return to his home. He writes a computer program to inject the logic loops that could disrupt the simulation. He's just doing all of this coding work. Um, he breaks into the college to access the computer. Um, but before all of this, there's um, before he does all of that, his wife wakes up suddenly in the middle of the night, like she had a nightmare. And from then on, she's very, she just isn't herself. She has like a scene. They're at like some art class, like pottery class. And she makes a scene. And um, then she starts shouting at her daughter, like, you aren't supposed to be here. You aren't supposed to be here. Like obviously very disturbed. They never explain why that happens. So in this glitch in the matrix where originally she's like, yeah, our daughter's here. She never died. What are you talking about? To all of a sudden questioning her daughter's existence that they never explain that. And that makes me mad. I don't really get what the point of that was. And then when Brendan goes to access that quantum computer to run his program, I, I assume maybe he's trying to fix that. I mean, what did they ever talk about why he even wants to alter it at all? I don't think so. I think it's really confusing. <laughs> I don't get it. They never really, I always thought that when his daughter returned, he had already entered something into the computer. At least I thought, right? Like, yeah, I, I thought so too. I thought that he went there and changed something and it brought his daughter back, but I don't think he did. And so that made me think like, I'm like, okay, are there two different versions of this movie? And like, maybe, the, another... <laughs> maybe they're like alluding to the, like the, the simulation, like just brought his daughter back. So he'd quit looking into it, digging into it. Maybe. Right. He, there is that line where he says that they knew I would stop as soon as they brought my daughter back because he's yeah. doing, right. That, that makes sense now, I guess. So pretty much it's, it's like, he's doing all this research on the simulation. The simulation catches on and is like, okay, here's your daughter back now. Now quit looking into it. That, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. This is one of those movies that I feel like you have to watch more than once and you have to really like think about it while you're watching it because it gets a little confusing. Um, so anyway, he goes to access the quantum computer to run his program. And upon 
the program's execution. There's a bunch of glitches in reality where, you know, trees are changing colors. There's two moons in the sky. There's um, two people on the train are kissing each other and their faces start to merge together. Day turns to night. I mean, all these different crazy things are happening. He gets back home and he finds his wife, she's panicking and the family, they all hold on to each other as all these glitches are, are happening where, you know, their faces are freezing and creepy stuff. And then all of a sudden the, the simulation crashes and there is only darkness. And then we quickly see a move through time from the big bang. And it brings us back to the scene that started the movie. They're on the beach. And this time Curious George does not have a tail. And it's the exact same scene as the beginning. Sam is going out to the beach to look for shells. But before she goes out, Brendan says, hey, leave George here. And if you remember from the beginning of the film, the reason she gets swept up into the ocean is because she has her George doll and he, she drops him and he gets kind of tangled up in the waves. And that's what causes her to drown. But without the doll, that's not going to happen. And therefore, she never dies. And the simulation is basically restarted. But in a reality where that never happened and that's the ending <laughs> wild it yeah <laughs> it's wild but there's so many plot holes that like it could have been a lot better if they had been able to like connect all of the, all of the dots everywhere answer all of the questions that you have as a as a like as a viewer um when you're watching the film and it, like, why was it so short? It could have been longer to answer all these questions. I just don't get it. It could have. And that's the thing is it, it was like so aggravatingly not, it was sh too short. It was lazily written. So it kind of just figured you would follow along and not ask too many questions. Like they're just like, here, just accept this for what it is. Like it, it is how it is. I, I really wish there was at least like 40 more minutes of information, more research, more, like it would have been kind of cool if Brendan had experimented with the simulator in different ways and kind of like tested it. And then that's when it caused it to crash in the end. It seemed like at the end it was very sudden and all of a sudden he tries this program and it just destroys the simulation and it has to reboot, if you will. And it starts right back where we, where we started. I wish they had more lead up to that. There wasn't enough. And it just felt by the end, you're like, okay, what the hell? What just happened? It's, it, you leave very confused. And it, I don't, I like a movie that makes you think, but I don't like a movie that just leaves you completely dumbfounded because it just wasn't clear enough. Mm -hmm. Especially a psychological thriller like this. Though, what if we are in a simulation watching a movie about the simulation and they don't want us to ask the questions. <laughs> the simulation within a simulation. Simulation made the movie. Uh, watch, watch how this episode is going to get deleted off of our SoundCloud page. Right. Because we, we it, know too much. If it disappears, it's because we asked too many questions. Exactly. So Nina did a little bit of research on this crazy phenomenon that this movie surrounds. So Nina, take it away. What'd you find? Well, I mean, if you're anything like me and you didn't, you hadn't really heard of this before, or you'd kind of heard of it, but didn't know what it was. Um, I did some research about that. So the term Mandela effect came about in 2009 by Fiona Broom, who is a paranormal researcher. Um, she published a website that detailed all of her like thoughts and her observances of the phenomenon. Um, she 
specifically talked about that she was at a conference talking with people about Nelson Mandela's death. And obviously there was, you know, some people are like, he didn't die in the 80s. And some people were like, yes, we remember him dying in the 80s. His wife or his widow gave a speech at his funeral. Um, President George Bush, like, it says that he misspoke, but he, like, was recorded talking about how Nelson Mandela had died. So she made this website about all of these different things that she had researched, um, which a lot of, like, psychologists call it the misinformation effect. Um, basically just discussing how a large mass of people could remember the same identical, like, historical event um, or detail about something, even though it's not actually true. Um, so they call it, they call it like collective false memories. So, um, obviously Nelson Mandela's death thing was one of the biggest ones though. Psychologists say that it's a misinformation effect because if you had something that was similar that happened around the same time, you could be basically just like melding those two memories together. So in the case of Nelson Mandela's death, um, another prominent South African anti-apartheid activist named Steve Biko actually did die in the eighties. So um, that's kind of like a, like they say that that's kind of an explanation of why people have that misperception about Nelson Mandela, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I have a background in psychology. That was my first bachelor's. So I, anytime stuff that like this comes up, I'm like pretty fascinated, which psychological thrillers, as we know, have discussed on this podcast is kind of my forte. So I was like, heck yeah, I'm going to research this some more. Um, and when he's talking in the movie about like the Berenstein Bears and about Looney Tunes and about um, what, what was the other one? Like Curious George's Tale or the Monopoly Man, like I had not heard of any of those as examples of this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what I thought these things were true and they're not like I am experiencing this misinformation effect. So I kind of delved into that a little bit more. Some really notable, notable examples. One of, one of which they did talk about this in the movie um, was the star Wars reference. So <clears throat> when a lot of people yeah. talk about star Wars, when um, Darth Vader reveals to him that he is Luke's father um, in episode five, I think, um, people always say, they'll like quote this famous line that Luke, I am your father. And you know, like who spooky. And he actually like in the movie is like quoting this quote while he's watching with his daughter, they're watching star Wars. Um, but really the actual line is no, I am your father. So a lot of people, like, I think a lot of people would assume that Luke, I am your father is the real line when it's actually not, which I was like, oh my gosh, I thought it was the line too. I'll have to go back and watch it now. Um, another it's one. Easy. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say it is very easy. Like the, I feel like the Star Wars one is a good example of how it's just, um, you know, a phenomenon and not a sign of a parallel universe mm -hmm. because that line has been quoted that way multiple times in pop culture. The first thing that I can think of is um, the scene in Tommy Boy when he is talking in front of the uh, fan in his office and he's, you know, doing the Darth Vader voice and he goes, Luke, I am your father. And there's even in in the office, Pam is um, going over um, a sound system in a grocery store and says, Jim, this is your father. Like, I think it's been misquoted so many times that people think that that is what it originally was. 
But right. The, it, the human mind is amazing what it's able to do. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it is cool to think about if all of this were just like code written, it's like rewriting code. Like you hear somebody say something and then that rewrites your memory um, from what it was. Like, I don't know if I would necessarily have a memory in mind that is like, no, I am your father. Like, why would I remember that? I don't know. It's like, it's just a weird, like iconic line that, um, and there's a couple more examples of kind of the same thing, but it's weird how our brains take those things like from pop culture probably and rewrite what is actually true. Another example of that is in Forrest Gump when he says, you know, what's the line that everybody thinks it's life's like a box of chocolates, but it really, he says life was like a box of chocolates, which mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think I've ever noticed that he says that in the movie. Um, and then another one in Snow White, where we think that she says, you know, the iconic line is mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all. But she actually says magic mirror on the wall. What? Like, I, <laughs> I did not have that anywhere in mind, magic mirror. That sounds so much hmm. stupider than mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> kind of does. Maybe that's why people changed it because they didn't like how it was. Yeah, maybe. Um. Another one is Oscar Meyer. You know, he like the famous hot dog brand Oscar Meyer. Oscar Meyer Wieners is actually spelled with an A, so it's Mayer. No, not it's Meyer. not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. What? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I see what you're saying. There's some of these that hit mm -hmm. you in a different way because you're like, no, nope. I swear. Yeah. In, in the movie, they did the Monopoly Man, and where he like he turns to his wife and he's like what does the Monopoly man look like? And she's like, oh, it's like a man with a hat and a mustache and a monocle. And he actually doesn't have a monocle. Um, and the explanation for that one is the, which my husband was like, he called this like right as, as he was saying. And he's like, no, it's the peanut guy has the mm. monocle. And they like kind of look similar. So you're, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of, it's bizarre. But I was like, oh yeah, I could have sworn he had a monocle too. Um, another one was Jif peanut butter. Like maybe they did they have like a commercial or something where they said like Jiffy or something like that. It's possible, maybe, but it's not Jiffy peanut butter. It's just Jif. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the Berenstein Bears one. That one it just like really pisses me off, honestly, because I swear <laughs> to God, it's Berenstein Bears. Yeah, there were. Where did that A come? Who changed that A? <laughs> Some bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> no, it makes you mad because you're like, no, I swear. And it, it's funny because it's also like, there are times with my husband where we remember different things like, oh, I remember it this way, or I remember it that way. We have a lot of memories like that. Some of them are just us messing with each other. Like, no, you were being this way when, you know, we're just, we're just having fun. But there are some serious memories between the two of us. I'm like, that never happened. And he's like, yes, it did. And there's a scene in the film where there's a, there's a picture up on their, um, on the fridge where they're arguing about where that picture was taken. He's like, I swear it was in Seattle. I swear we did this and we went to this place and we took this picture. And she said, no, it was actually this place. I mean that when, when I, there's some people that believe, you know, that coincidences don't exist because there's just no way that this many things could be discrepancies with thousands of people. But when it, when it comes to like personal memories too, when people, you know, when you sit there, you're like, no, I know. And I pride myself on my memory. I have an excellent memory. And so when somebody tries to tell me that something that I remembered is wrong 
And then I find out that I, maybe I am wrong or I question like, okay, am I wrong? Like, was this not that way? That's when it gets really scary because it's more personal as opposed to, you know, Mm -hmm. just something more generic, like, like Berenstein Bears or Curious George. I have a funny one about that, that my husband and I have been arguing about this for the entire time we've known each other. So um, like 11 years, Um, there is a mall here in Omaha that used to have a Cinnabon in it. And it was only there, like they'd put the Cinnabon in like, I don't know, like probably like 20 years ago. And then it was only there for like, I don't know, 10 years max. And then they took it, took it back out. So, and it was the only one in Omaha. And my husband and I, I would always be like, oh, you remember that Cinnabon? He was like, yeah, it was on the second floor um, by the Dillard's or something. And I'm like, no, it was on the first floor by the food court. And like, I've had a poll on Facebook. I've asked people, <laughs> like people don't remember where the freaking Cinnabon was. And like, I think it's I know so, where it was. Are, are you talking about Westroads? Yes. I swear to God, it was right by the food court. I feel like it was it. Did it become an Aunt Annie's? No, that's on the second floor. Okay. So I, this is weird because I felt like that's where it was. Okay. Maybe, maybe that is the discrepancy as people are mixing up the Aunt Annie's and the Cinnabon. I think it must be. And I know that my, and my husband loves Aunt Annie's. So I'm like, that has to be what you're thinking of, but that Aunt Annie's is still there. Mm -hmm. And her auntie. Bizarre. I actually, I don't think it is anymore. They completely redid the upper level of, um, Westeros when they put in flagship commons. Oh, so yeah, maybe Aunt true. Annie's is gone or maybe it's tucked away. I don't know. Is it there? I don't know. But I've been, I've like scoured the internet for pictures. I'm like, where is the West Road Cinnabon? Like, it's so weird. It's <laughs> like a false memory. One of us has a false memory of it. Which one of us is it? I don't know. Um, that's, that's crazy. All right. So I feel like there's a lot of really, really good um, examples of this. Possible explanations anyway, so that how to explain all of this. First of all, what's like more realistic probably is false memory, which is the psychology um, theory, which I mean, is accurate. The fact that we have so many memories um, and things can be essentially like rewritten in our memory. Um, We have false memories about things all the time. Um, So when we recall memories, it might not be perfect or something influenced a change in that memory, whether it be, you know, like Auntie Anne's or whatever it's called being in the same Wait, mall what is it called I think it's <laughs> Auntie, it Auntie Anne's, Anne's or Aunt Annie's <laughs> I think it's Auntie Anne's that we can google that <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yeah that will be easily explained <laughs> um yeah so our memory is really in general like not super reliable I think I have a pretty good memory too um but there's a there's been a, quite a few things where I've caught myself on in my life where I'm like mm, actually I don't think my memory is accurate about that um there's also some like memory related concepts too that kind of associate with that. So one of them is confabulation, um, which is where you have gaps in your memory and your brain just kind of like fills it in based on like kind of like context clues. So your brain's like making up where, the, what that gap is. Um, so your brain is basically like making the memory. It's like lying to you um, because you just can't remember little details of what actually happened. Um, so that's kind of where a lot of people will get those false memories because they actually don't remember what happened, but their brain just kind of makes up what like sounds like it should have happened or what details are missing that makes sense to be there. Could Um, this also be similar to like the deja vu theory, which I'm sure we know, you guys know what it is, but just to 
explain really quick deja vu where you feel you just have a sudden moment where I've been here before this has happened before. Mm -hmm. Could that be similar? Like, why does our brain do that? Why does our brain make us think something happened when it didn't? I think so. I think it's like taking little bits of memories from other things and putting it together to like give you that sense of feeling like this has happened before or I've been here before when you really haven't. Um, I think it's the weirdest thing when you get deja vu from like dreams. Like I feel like I'll have a dream about something and then it'll happen and I'm like, have I dreamt this before? Did I actually do this before? Like our brains are just crazy. Like how Absolutely. all of those all of those things like work together to create something that's not really real. Um, another one is post-event information. So information that you learn after event can change the memory of it, of your event. Um, which that's really interesting too. So like if you, you know, say that you went to like a political rally or something and they talk about all of these different things and then afterward you, you find out that, oh, well, this was actually not accurate or actually they talked about this and your memory gets changed from that post information. Um, so that can, that kind of explains why like some eyewitness testimonies are not real or not reliable. Um, it's kind of like when you have like televised um, information about crimes and then you have like a jury, like a lot of people already have like kind of a preconceived um, information about stuff. And so it makes them change when they're hearing like from a witness about something like they already have information about it. So it, it feels like oh, this isn't accurate because I already heard about this or whatever. So like uh, outside information influencing memories about stuff. Um, and then another one is priming, which describes factors leading up to an event that affects our perception of it. Um, so it's like basically when somebody kind of like prompts you to change your memory about something kind of like the example that the internet had that the internet had was like saying, did you see the black car instead of seeing a black car? So narrowing down kind of what your memory looks like can make you change what you think you saw or what you remember about something. Um, so a lot of like on top of just what this conspiracy theory is about with alternative alternate realities, there's actually some like actual psychological like proven things that happen in our brains that can explain the the mandela effect a little bit better than alternate reality um theory and quantum physics and how all that stuff relates together um but i think the most important thing about all of this is the internet's impact on how like our memories of things change so like how oh did you see this on reddit or whatever like people just feed into the internet and so you can go down these rabbit holes about things and your memories about stuff can be changed because you're being influenced by seeing and reading these things it's like how people get so into conspiracy theories because they're like well i've seen a thousand pages on the internet about this like this must be true you know so i think that the mandela effect might not have really even been that big of a thing prior to the internet really I think, yeah, that's, that's a really good point that the internet makes it so much easier for us to, you know, 
kind of hoard information in one belief. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are countless documentaries out there of different conspiracy theories, and that's just what they are. They're conspiracy theories. I mean, you can put any number of clips or, um, you know, different pieces of text together to kind of, you know, explain something that is hard to explain. And then you get so deep into it that you, it's hard for you to change your mind otherwise. Like, oh, this is the way it is. This is, this is how it is. For example, some of you know, the biggest conspiracy theories out there, um, aside from, uh, you know, this one, the Mandela effect, uh, you know, the moon landing, um, you know, the, that it was fake and we didn't actually go on the moon. It was all in a studio. Um, some more, you know, sinister ones like certain terrorist attacks being inside jobs. And when you watch things like that, it, yeah, you're going to think, oh, of course, you know, I've seen the light, I have seen the truth, but the internet does a really good job. And as somebody who edits videos for a living, it's very easy to manipulate things into looking a certain way. I would say one of the bigger conspiracy theories nowadays um, besides like the QAnon one about, you know, human trafficking that is starting to become a little problematic because it's doing, in my opinion, more harm than good to the bigger problem of, of human and child uh, sex trafficking. Um, but also the pandemic one that was kind of a big thing a couple of months back, the, the documentary of um, the dis disgraced scientist who claims that, um, you know, COVID is not it w was man-made and it um they just want us all to get vaccines and um she's been proven to be an anti-vaxxer and um so whatever you believe i'll just say take it with a grain of salt because there's so much information out there there's so many links you can go to videos you can watch that can prove anything on earth is something that it's not. I mean, I'm sure there is a video out there that explains that the moon is made of cheese and mm -hmm. you would believe it because it made it seem like it was. But our brains have that ability to manipulate information. It's it's fascinating and it's incredible, but it's also kind of scary. I mean, can you can you trust your memories? Can you trust yourself? It, it definitely, this film opens that question up and makes you question a lot of things. But I, I, I feel like, again, with this movie, it didn't quite hit the mark where I left thinking, wow, maybe we are in a simulation. It, it didn't really explain it in a way that made it seem like it was possible because of, of the writing. But, but I wanna ask you, Nina, what, what do you think about it? Do you think that there's a possibility of, of parallel universes that cause these glitches or is it just easily explained with psychology? I think it's pretty easily explained with psychology. I think that too, people are looking for confirmation for their beliefs. And that's why the Mandela effect is so powerful because other people are having this same, other people are being influenced by the thoughts of others, especially on the internet. Like if you say, oh, I remember this happening. And then somebody's like, hey, I think I also remember that happening. And then they kind of put more power behind that memory to make it feel stronger to them. And then it kind of gets other people on board. And then people are start starting to say, well, if I kind of remember that happening, happening, but then these 10 people also remember it, then that my memory must be true, right? So like the power of the communication behind it <clears throat> really makes it, I think, 
more believable in the minds of these people, but really it's just more of like a spread of misinformation that is like a confirmation kind of like bias. So it's, it's hard to think that with no real way to test an alternate reality, how could it really be true? I guess I think it's a fascinating theory and there's so many really fun movies too, that also explore this possibility that I think are a little bit more believable than this movie. Um, kind of like I was saying earlier, like Inception, um, The Matrix. Um, I like, love The Matrix. I mm-hmm. just, oh, love it. And then, and then when they take it either on to, even onto another level, like Westworld, where it's us humans manipulating, <laughs> creating another reality within our own reality and manipulating that, or um, Ready Player One. Um, when you take stuff like that, then it's kind of like, okay, well, if we have the power as humans to create another reality that we can control, what's to say that there's not a reality controlling our reality, which we are then controlling another reality. Like it kind of is like a weird, like wormhole. Um, but overall, I don't think that it is a credible idea. Um, and I'm just of like the scientific method kind of lifestyle in general that like if you can't prove it why should I believe it you know and I think that this movie has so many plot holes that Mm -hmm. even if it was like trying to have a fun movie where they want you to think more about the plausibility of the Mandela effect they just don't do enough to make you like really think that much into it other than like it made me get on the internet and kind of go down that rabbit hole but it didn't make me think that this could actually happen, I guess, because there was just too many plot holes. I agree. Well, let's get into our review of the Mandela effect. I'm going to give this one a 2.5 out of five. Um, Very interesting concept, very poorly executed. I just feel that it could have been done way better. It could have been longer, more explanation, better writing Um, from these guys that brought us, um, would you rather, which was a very, very different film. Um, I thought that was like decently written, but I can also see where maybe this team needed some, some bigger hands on it. Maybe they could have had some, you know, you know, quantum physics professors to kind of help with, you know, the scientific aspect of it to make it seem more legitimate. I mean, if that's what you want to do, if you want to take a conspiracy theory and kind of play around with the idea of, is it, maybe it's real, you should probably do a lot more research and get more hands on board. I don't really, there's not a lot of information on the making of this film, um, or just kind of, um, the information behind it other than just, you know, the theory itself. So I wish that there was more of that. I wish we had more um, just more information. I just wish it was better written. So I was not as pleased with it as I thought I was going to be. So 2.5 out of five. I agree. I would probably give it a two out of five, honestly, because it's, it's like my favorite genre and they just dropped the ball just like makes me mad. But, um, it did bring up a lot of really cool things for me, I think to get my my brain juices flowing here because I didn't know anything really about the actual like conspiracy about the Mandela effect and then I also thought a lot while I was watching this movie about how sad it is that like even if this were real and this guy came to this amazing like astounding revelation about you know reality and about life 
his grief makes him unreliable. So like makes him an unreliable source, which is just really sad to think that like, no one's going to believe you. And I was telling that to my husband the whole, this whole time while we were watching this movie. I'm like, no one's going to believe him, even if it is real, even if it is like something he can prove. People are going to say, this dude's crazy because he is, he just lost his daughter and that's why. And we see that throughout the movie too, that like, well, he's crazy. Nobody's going to believe him. Even at first, um, I think Dr. Fuchs is kind of like, oh, you know, he's he, the first time that he comes up to him, he's like, I'm sorry for your loss. Like, kind of just like let it go and then and then they started to kind of actually talk more but it really just made me think about how sad how sad it is that there's such a like stigma about mental health that people just think that you can't be in your right mind while you're grieving which in a lot of cases you can't about certain things but just because you're going through grief doesn't make you any like less intelligent so and that was kind of like a, a little like thought process I was having while watching this. But um, I totally agree. I just think that they dropped the ball. I think that it could have been a lot longer. I think I just imagine what like what could have a could a big studio company have done with this concept and how much greater it could have been. Um, it also just kind of bummed me out. I'm like of all the of all the like scenarios that you pick, it has to be about like this guy's daughter dying and like coming back to him. It was just like heartbreaking. So um that was like also another added level of like God, this movie just is really like a bummer film. But it's a downer. Um, I mean I yeah. guess if you want to be technical, it does have a happy ending. She's alive in the end, but true though. And and it just left me with so many questions. Like why was the wife like going crazy? And like, how did he even get to this alternate universe? And like, yeah, I don't know. It was just a half-baked idea and a very (laughs) interesting concept. Maybe if it was in different hands, it could have been dealt with better, but exactly. Yep. So that's kind of a bummer, but I'm glad that we watched it because it, it, did take me on a little like interesting psychology ride it was fun for sure it's a fun ride um well guys uh i don't know if we mentioned this in the beginning but this is available on hulu now so if you have a hulu subscription go give this one a watch if you have watched the mandela effect and you disagree with us and you thought it was amazing uh, let us know in the comments. Um, as always, guys, we are always looking for new shows and movies to watch. If there's something that you are watching that you think we should give a review, please let us know and we will add it to our list. But until then, keep on streaming. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time. Keep streaming.